Hello, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the program. What follows is basically the audio portion of the video that debuted on YouTube, but you can still listen for yourself here and tune in to the actual video on the show notes accompanying this episode at www.theandrezegovia.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. This is the Andre Segovia Show. everyone and welcome to another episode of the program. In this episode, I'm doing a long form review of the Microsoft Surface Duo. It is a bit of a polarizing device. As many of you know, the reviews are not mixed. They're mostly negative. But for those hanging on to the device, it's like, well, the potential is here. And we've heard this song and dance before and been let down before. So the question is, can we trust Microsoft to succeed where other first gen products have failed? I want to answer that at the end of this video. So being that this is a unique device because it's neither a phone or a tablet, but this is by all accounts a phablet because it's a phone, tablet, and it folds. So for sanity's sake, I'm going to call it a phablet. This device deserves a bit of an introduction because it's not like anything else out there. It's not like the Samsung folds, okay? Those either fold up like a clamshell or fold sideways like a butterfly, and that's it. They just fold out. They don't fold 360 degrees like this one can. The difference is though, that those other ones technically do not have a break in their screen. This one, because of the hinge and its ability to rotate 360 degrees, does have a break in the hinge. And I will discuss that when I talk about the hardware in a few moments. Now, this device is the 256 gigabyte device. It's available in 128 or 256, and those are the only configurations you get, no 5G, so it's not a future-proof device, if you will. And honestly, look look at it. It doesn't even have a front-facing screen. It doesn't even have a rear-facing camera. So that's why I say it's not a phone. So it's this device that's somewhere in the in-between. Now, if you haven't seen my series on my daily drivers, I'll leave a link to that playlist in the video description down below because I did set up how I've been using my daily drivers for the past several years. Now, for the most part, that setup has actually been um, for about a decade, but that's before I incorporated Chrome OS or even uh, an iPad into it because I was using Android tablets. The thing is, it was always a stopgap for me and I needed something along the lines of everything that I had because of the demands in my industry of what I had to do. Now, a little bit of a recap for those of you that are new to the program or did not get it the first time, I mentioned in the Diddy Driver videos, I am in one industry, but three different categories. You could say I'm in real estate, okay? But construction can be real estate or cannot, depending on how you see it. So construction and real estate are really where I'm at. And in within real estate, I'm in the sales side and also on the property management side. So when you have basically three different categories across one or two different industries, however you wanna see it, that means three different companies, three different sets of clients, three different sets of headaches. And to manage all that, I have needed a plethora of devices, and a lot of times they failed me. Now, I have streamlined a lot because software has gotten better over time, and those competitors that couldn't keep up with the competition have gone the way of the dinosaur. So those that have stayed around are the ones that basically are you invested in. Back in the days, we had mobile OS wars, and that we had Windows phones. This is 
Microsoft's version of their mobile platform device and they chose Android for it. This is not a Windows device. So that means the dust has settled. It's either Android or iOS. It's really hard to have a competing third or fourth operating system out there, although Huawei might be testing the waters with that, with their, I think it's Harmony OS. But anyway, that's a different discussion for another time. The thing is, though, that when it settled, it was either one or the other. The problem was that uh, you sometimes ended up with both because some hardware was done better than the other one, but the software failed. And some other ones did the software better, even though there were hardware limitations. And it's a little bit cumbersome and annoying, but that's normally what it came down to. And ultimately, you might have a Windows PC that either talks very well to Android or you had to have a workaround to deal with iOS, as yours truly has. So with this device coming along the way, I feel it's bridging a gap that I've had because I've used an Android device and an iOS device or before that even a BlackBerry device whenever I carry two phones. I don't want to carry two phones. I don't need to carry two phones. I don't mind having a second device that has telecommunications capabilities, but I don't need two phones. One of those things that annoys me is like if you're texting from one phone and you get the other phone, you're texting from there, you kind of lose the thread of texting if you're messaging technically the same person. Google Voice does address a lot of that for me, but every now and then I'll be like, oh, where did I send that text from? And if I don't have that device on me, I've lost that thread and I have to wait until I pick up that device for why I got to continue doing what I was doing. And that is inefficient to say the least. So for me, carrying one phone and another device that can do telecommunications but isn't the size of a freaking tablet is ideal for me. So that's why I feel that Panos was speaking to me in his presentation regarding this device right here. Because this device, like I said, it's able to do phone capabilities because you do this and it becomes a phone supposedly, this phone mode. You are able to expand it and now you have a tablet per se, even though you got this crease in the middle, something that I'll address here in a bit. But overall, you can still stash it in your pocket and it's not bothering you know i love that it has a small footprint so i'm able to carry it around best part yet is that yes the surface pen does work on it without even the need to pair it which is pretty awesome so i want to i'm going to do a comparison demonstration of the surface pen and a stylus uh, when i get to the hardware section but that's my intro for this that i do feel there is a category perhaps that it can fill but it's going to be such a niche category that this thing isn't going to be flying off the shelves this isn't the folds of huawei or samsung whereas those devices are tailored to consumers that have specked out cameras, great experiences, but you get no stylus input because those screens are so sensitive you can't even use a fingernail without destroying it. You can't, in some cases, even peel off the screen protector without compromising the screen. So this is true glass and it's protected when it's closed. So it feels like a pocketbook of sorts. That's what I've loved about my usage with this. Now, granted, the specs are not the greatest of specs because we're talking about last year's silicon. But if I remember correctly, they were originally going to use the Snapdragon 845 and they ended up with the Snapdragon 855, which I have no gripes about because last I checked, I believe it was the 845 that could power um, always on PC. So if it can power an always on PC, I hope that paired with the 6 gigabytes of RAM is more than enough to power Android. Because Google's proved that you can do so much with four gigabytes, even though that's a little bit limiting for RAM. But this one has six. Now I know it has two screens. So how is it holding up? So I do, 
I do want to get to that in a, in a moment, um, but first let's finish going over the hardware and what I've thought about it so far. So I have enjoyed it, uh, opening and closing. I never felt like I needed to baby this thing. It's been great. I've gotten used to the fingerprint scanner that's recessed right here, right underneath the power button. The volume lockers are here. At first, when I, I mentioned this in my unboxing video, this I thought was aluminum on the sides. It's not, it's a little bit rubberized and I'm assuming it's because of the whole tent mode when you put it up like this, that, well, it's not gonna slip and slide. So that's a pretty novel thing, I suppose, but I would have loved a little more contrast. I do not like that it's glass though. Uh, the glass does give it a more of a luxury feel, but uh, if it had done the magnesium, such as like my laptop, my Surface laptop, and, uh, or even the Surface Pro, I would feel more confident about carrying this thing. But no, instead, uh, I gotta be weary that I could crack the front or the back or even the inside. So there's four different glass screens you could crack here. The front and the back and the inside two screens. So to address that and any other bumper thingy, Microsoft includes what they call the Surface Duo bumper in the box, which is good because this thing separately is supposed to be over 60 bucks, whatever it is. The thing is, this thing is supposed to be glued to the device. Um, I don't think I want to glue it. So for now, I'm not using it. I might regret it, maybe not. We'll find out. Some have some have installed it. I know Daniel Rubino from Windows Central has basically decked out his uh, his duo. For now, I'm leaving mine as uh, Microsoft intended. So I'll keep it like that and get this. No, let me get that out of the way of the camera. All right. So what else is the ability to magnetically attach the slim pen to it? Kind of. Um, it attaches better in the front for me. See? This is actually a giveaway, though. I'll mention why this is a pro and con because uh, when the device closes, that's what must be triggered to the software when these magnets communicate to the back of the device that it's basically closed, that then you trigger one screen's off and one screen's on. Um, there is, I don't know if it's a software bug or that's how it's meant to be, but there is a limited time for you to do a, a double tap on the screen. I'm gonna show you right here right now. Uh, I should unlock it first actually. Okay, so it's unlocked. So I'm gonna do this real quick. And it's a tap on one side and tap over here and it'll turn to this screen over there and the other one goes blank. But then you can't do it again on the other side like this. So that means you have a little bit of a limited window when you're opening it up beyond 180 to basically double tap. And if you're not going to double tap, then you got to get rid of it. Now this, what you just saw is not a software bug. What you just saw there was Cortana that I did install. I might uninstall it because every time I turn it sideways, something like this, it'll give me this white bar here because of Cortana. So either Microsoft has to update that Cortana app because it does annoy when you have it on the side, it cuts things off and you can't really swipe away from things. Or, you know, I'll just uninstall it altogether, disable it. So I'll get to that in the software section. But as for the hardware, I have not felt the slowdowns that uh, I thought that might be affected by that. If anything, some of the hiccups that I have experienced have been more software related. Now, I did not use pre-release software for this. This I have used with the updated release in early September that Microsoft has released with this um, September 5th um, security patch as well that addressed a lot of it. Because believe me, setting this guy up was so difficult because it wasn't even registering my finger whenever I was trying to input into it. So when it it did the update, it addressed every single issue I had with it, including interaction with the screen. Now, there are some things to be aware of. If you have not seen uh, Flossie Carter's, uh, I guess, unboxing and first impressions of the device, I recommend you check it because 
he was having such a frustrating experience with the device. That's basically everybody that got the device. But then when he got towards the end of it, when he was just basically said, this thing's dead on arrival, um, he did do some research and figured out that some of it was actually the user error, not a device error. So that made him walk back some of his comments and he was prepared to basically go beyond it. So as of this video, he has not done a follow-up to that. I'm excited to hear what he thinks about because uh, there's very few reviewers that I, that I can count on. He's one of the few that I can count on. So anyway, back to the device. So that's the hardware. I think it's beautiful, both inside and out. I think it'll hold up just fine for what it is. And almost anything that I'm gonna be complaining about, I feel can be uh, addressed with software updates. Now, what do I feel about the longevity of the device? Well, technically these devices are lasting for two or three years anyway. If you have a Note 10, that's basically the specs in here. That's what I have. I have a Note 10 and according to Samsung, they're gonna be powering and supporting that device for three years out. Same thing with this one. Question is, is this one worth 1500 bucks? Let's get to that later, okay? I will address that then. So I have a cheat sheet that I gotta pull out here and I gotta address it to make sure I'm sticking with it. Sorry, my app closed using OneNote here. Okay, so I already addressed the hardware, right? Um, I did not mention though, uh, something's about the screen. So let me get to the screen. That's why I have a cheat sheet, see? All right, let's open this guy up and unlock it. Because we're some the screens, they're AMOLED displays, 8.1 inch diagonal across or 5.6 when they're individual. What I do like about this, what some people don't, are actually the bezels. They work in the device's favor. Because for any of you using a note, or yeah, a note from the past several years, how many of you have complained about the curved display? And you were so excited about the Note 20 because it was going to be available with the flat display only to realize that the flat display was only available with the lesser of the notes, right? Okay, so that means you wanted the you wanted the Ultra, but you wanted it with a flat display. Why? Because of accidental touches. Palm rejection can only do so much on a curved display. So when you have a device that's meant to be interactive with when folding the hinge in so many different ways and you're swiping up and down, left and right from all these different sorts, this bezel the chin and the forehead, they actually work in your favor to avoid those accidental touches. And realizing that there's so many different ways you can interact with this user interface, believe me, it'll come in handy because you're still gonna get frustrated trying to relearn how to navigate Android. Because if you have an idea of how Android is gonna work, if you come from a Pixel, or you even use the Microsoft launcher on any other device that's not the Duo, it's not exactly the same experience as it is here, which I will get to. But for the most part, I have enjoyed uh, not having to have accidental touches with the bezels here, so they don't bother me as much. Now, of course, in future generations, I'm sure they're gonna address this, and for those of you that don't like seeing all that black-waisted bars here, then yeah, you're gonna be complaining about it. But it's not entirely an eyesore, especially when you're dealing with an AMOLED display and dark background, so it kind of blends in nicely. Okay. So one more thing I gotta add about this that I didn't really have in my notes here is the whole idea of a working wider aspect. This is something that I would say that those of us in, in like business relate to. Working wider. See, there's that Cortana thing again. That's This is my fault. This is not the, something that comes pre-installed. I installed it myself. So this is a little annoying because then it, it messes things up. All right, here we go. Freaking Cortana, man. See, there she is again. Okay, so. Working wider, this is basically the width of a passport, BlackBerry passport. So 
for those that balked at the foreign factor passport, that's basically the darling BlackBerry because you were able to get more of a document in the screen. So that's the same way I feel about this, that this aspect ratio actually works. There's Cortana again, man. Um, it, I closed it and she came back up. All right. Let me close this thing up because it's annoying. Thank you for interfering, Cortana. Okay, she's gone. <laughs> for now, I'm sure she's gonna crop up again. Well, I've enjoyed working wide. That's also a negative though, because Android apps are favored to tall displays. And this is not one of those tall displays. So I'll get to that a little bit later. Okay, but so far, it's been great. And with the input, it's actually been a lot better. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about these styluses now because technically we're still talking hardware. So I'm gonna open OneNote so you can see what that's like. Because I wanna use two different styluses to show you. All right, let's say, let's start a new note. Okay, and we're gonna input, right? So we're inputting, okay. Now what if I have one of these? It registers as a finger. See that? It's not registering as an input device. But with this, yes. That is the distinction that I love. That is something really cool. Because with this, technically I should be able to exit home. I should be able to exit home. I should be able to exit home. Okay, it's not exiting home. So there I am, I'm home and interactions with a display work just like this, as would a Surface Pen. But once you get to an area where you can input or manipulate with a Surface Pen, it'll recognize that, just like you would on a one, like OneNote, for example. So it's been pretty awesome to experience this. The There is a button on this that should technically allow me to erase. Yes, it does. So that's what I've enjoyed about using the Surface Pen on this. It's not as great with latency as would a Note from Samsung, but hey, this is a better experience than just a stylus. So I wanted to just show you that because there is a different experience when you're using the Surface Pen versus a generic stylus. So I'm happy that Microsoft did address that and it works just as I intended for it to work. Um, obviously, it's not a built-in stylus like a note is. That's still the better like ink to paper experience versus this. But hey, this is the next best thing and I'm happy that it's there. All right, that's it for the hardware. Let's move on. Okay, we're moving on to multitasking because I already talked about Surface Pen. So that's like Office Mobile, Navigation, OneNote. But let's talk multitasking and along that respect to talk also about the apps that are in here. So let me start with the apps before I talk about the multitasking because they kind of go hand in hand. And then I'll get to my conclusions of all this. So you expect Microsoft apps to be pre-installed in this device, and they are. The thing is that if you notice, I have Excel, PowerPoint, and Word up here. You're probably not gonna have, probably have a hard time with all this uh, brightness, but uh, let's see, right there. Okay, so I have the Microsoft Office Suite right there. Those do not come pre-installed. In fact, you can't even download them from the Play Store. Huh? Yeah, exactly. 
So the only one that comes built in basically is Office Mobile. And one of the cool things is to the ability to span across these two devices. So any optimized apps from Microsoft are able to do this. So the experience here is basically gonna be the experience as something else. Let's see. When opening a dock, you can open it on the side and you'll have this on this side. I'm gonna have to blur this out for the camera. This as an example. You have to kind of swipe to at least mid-screen to close something out. So this experience of spanning is great on apps that, let's go back to OneNote, that are basically optimized for spanning. You could do that with the Surface Pen also. So this is why I don't mind so much the hinge there, breaking up the display, because it doesn't interfere with your interaction, even with the Surface Pen, dragging and dropping and stuff. That's actually been pretty cool, how one screen is able to kind of pick up from where you're tossing from left to right. But it doesn't mean it's everything, which I'll get to. But let's say, uh, let's go to Word. I don't think it's any sensitive there. Okay, all right. Span it. Now it's broken. Because when you open, it's gonna look like this. So it does look better when you're working on it from this orientation. Uh, this is somewhere where uh, I don't, I can't get the like the input from the pen to work. So that's something that has to be optimized. I know that on tablets it does, but this doesn't register as a tablet app for some reason. Some apps will, some apps won't. But then again, I had to sideload these myself, so that's probably why it's not registering properly. But uh, that's something that Microsoft has to address if they'll address it. But for now, it does work on the Office app. So when you do something like, for example, um, OneDrive and you have them set up. Now this is something that's spannable. This is something that I love because as someone that deals with media across all of my uh, industries, if you will, um, I always have to rely on media to send to my clients like, hey, how does, how's the property looking? Because sometimes they're out of state, they wanna see. And they're like, well, let me get them together for you. But I have to select from pictures that are being sent to me by my workers. So some pictures are good, some pictures are bad. And the best way for me to look at it is something like this, where I can be manipulating a file here and see thumbnails for example let me see my if I'm able to pull some thumbnails here so I'll be able to see the thumbnails of the files here and whatever files I like will be on this side but I can still manipulate the other ones which is what I'm happy about now these are my personal so I'm not opening my business ones but the fact is I can do that whereas before I wanted something like this let's see I have to do it here pick something but then it'll take me to another window then I got to come back and start keep looking for my pictures where I can manipulate it at the same time using the spanning Okay, so now here's where it gets interesting. I do like that whatever screen you're using, you can pull up the menu. Now let's say uh, you wanted to close something out. Normally in Android, you would toss it left or right. But if you do this, you're actually opening it on the other app here. So you push up, now you're back into that, um, I guess the app selector, throw it over here from your recent apps, and there it is. So this is where I say it gets a little bit of a learning curve if you're gonna close out an app because now you're supposed to throw it where you're not gonna see it. So the same thing over here. If you toss it over here, but you wanted to close it, you gotta go, swipe it away, get away. So it takes, it's a little bit of a learning curve and even today after nearly, well, it's a week and a half, I'm still trying to get my work around with this. So it's, it's a little bit different which is why I don't consider or will not consider this as my main device, my main driver while I'm using it. Especially with, I don't mind using Microsoft Edge, but I still rely on Chrome 
Now here, I use Microsoft Edge as my default browser and not Chrome. And the thing is, if I do use Chrome, which I'll open up here, it doesn't, like if you have it just on one side of the screen, it'll register as the mobile app. But if you open it up to span, it's not gonna look like that anymore. Oh, actually, I think they updated it. Uh, there was some updates this morning, so maybe it worked in my favor. You can toss the keyboard like this, so that's pretty cool. This is SwiftKey. I use SwiftKey across everything, so that's fine. Um, you know what? I think Google just updated, so my complaint is not gonna be valid anymore. Let's go to, let's annoy some people right now. Um, all right, fine, Dairy Queen. I shouldn't be eating that, but there it is. Yeah, they did update it because believe me, before this, it was registering as basically like an old version of, of uh, Chrome and it'll show this ugly tab over here and you couldn't manipulate much of anything here because it, it, it behaved like an Android browser instead of a Chrome browser. If you know the difference between these two, you know what I'm talking about. I can't show you anymore because it's not there anymore. They updated it, so you beat. Speaking of updates, uh, let's go back to the home screen here. Google Maps. One thing that I have liked, yeah, yeah, got it. One thing that I have liked is what they've meant to do when it comes to spanning and stuff. Because let's say, uh, what's this? State Bridge. Okay. How come it's not behaving as it's supposed to? Wow, looks like we're finding some bugs again. Maybe it is supposed to be like that. Because it wasn't doing that before, if there was any other update. Because it's supposed to behave like it would on a browser, where it will show you all the details on this side instead of spanning across both screens. But I guess there's another optimization issue. This time I blame Google because they have fixed it. If you want to know what I'm talking about, you can check out Daniel Rubino's video or pictures about that on his Instagram because he showed it and then I got the update. But there must have been another update in between because it's not working as it used to. So. There are inconsistencies, as you can see. It's pretty annoying. Uh, I wanna show you an app. I might have to blur it, but I'm gonna try it anyway. YouTube Studio. So this is the background for us content creators. This is, it works just fine on this side. But if I were to do it, span across both devices, it only works on one orientation, which is pretty annoying. And it throws it from that side uh, whenever you're gonna manipulate it. So there are things that are still finicky, some apps need to be optimized, and this was by Google, so Google hasn't addressed it. And you've seen the YouTube stuff done to death, so I'm not even gonna do that, but not everything is optimized. So I wanna get to my conclusion here because I think I've showed you enough because I do have emails. Some people complain about one um, Outlook on, uh, on Android. I don't, I like the experience both here and on um, Samsung because for anyone that has a stylus, you can hover over the a note and it'll give you some options for which you can manipulate the email with without having to open the the app. Some people say, oh, you can't get rid of the buttons, uh, the, the color-coded. I don't mind the color-coded, it actually helps me because again, I'm going through a bunch of different clients across three different industries. And right now this is all of my inboxes in one. So yeah, that can be annoying. And when you spam them, all the better because, well, you can see everything. All right, let's go here. So you can open and you can select an email here and open it on the other side. I do enjoy that. It helps out a lot. You can't exactly do that with Gmail just yet, but hopefully it'll be optimized soon enough. So 
I'm not going to really talk about the camera. I don't think it's worthwhile talking about the camera. You can't compare this to any other thing because it's just a front-facing camera. So that's how you're going to basically judge it. You can take pictures and still get, you know, some uh, reliable photos, but I don't understand why anybody would want to unless they're trying to get this as their primary device. So let me get to the conclusion of things because the question becomes, can this be someone's daily driver? No, this cannot be someone's daily driver. High learning curve, steep price tag or, or price of entry, if you will, and limited functions that basically take away the phone experience. This does not have wireless charging. It does not have NFC and it does not have a front facing display so you can check out your notes. It does have the pretty cool peak feature that I've referenced before as being something akin to BlackBerry 10 OS, the peak and flow. Those of you know what I'm talking about. So this doesn't even have a rear facing camera. So that means you always have to open the phone to do so, which is a little bit cumbersome because if you want to take the shot you want to take the shot. This is gonna give you too many extra steps to get there, and sometimes, well, let's do it right now. You're like, oh, I wanna take a picture of that. Okay, open up. Now it's open. Hit the camera button. There it is. Okay, but you wanna take a picture back there. All right, then you get it. By then, have you missed the shot is the question. But if you're doing it with an Android, you can double press the power button, or if you were doing it with an iPhone, just get to it and press the camera button, and that's it. You don't miss out that shot. So with this in mind, this is not a device at the moment that's meant to be anyone's daily driver. It's not even gonna be my daily driver. But the thing is, I'm the target audience for this thing. So people like me, more than likely, I'm not talking about as a YouTube content creator. They can carry as many devices as they want. I'm talking about someone that has to manage a small business and sometimes even more so to communicate with clients or to communicate even with the workplace because sometimes we do not have the economies of scale to be able to invest in enterprise powered features that can power our business because those are licensing things. Those require contracts of stuff and we can't afford that. So sometimes we'll resort to two mobile devices to take care of what sometimes could be take care of with telecommunications or intranet, but we're not at that scale. I'm one of those where I operate small businesses and as an independent operator on something else. So to me, I do carry two devices to help me bridge that gap. This can't be my daily driver, but it's slotted in exactly where I need it to be, where my Note 10 will be my primary device instead of an iPhone now. And this will be my secondary device to bridge the gap that I felt was being basically done in by using two phones. I don't need the two phones, but I do need extra real estate and screens. I do need a canvas to be able to read easier uh, information. I know people that carry two iPhones, which I think is grossly ineffective, but to them it's efficient. But what are they doing? They're reading their email on one iPhone and then they're interacting and reacting to that and sending it to the client based on the response on the other iPhone to that message. I'm like, why would you burden yourself like that? It's ridiculous to review a document on this side to send a response on that side. This is killing two birds with one stone in that respect, where you can look at the image, where you can look at the document on one side, be responding to the email on the other and getting it done. That's what this is for. That's what I've longed for and I'm happy that it's here. It doesn't work like a multi-window as you will on say an Android device of any pick today. Maybe, maybe the, the 
Fold 2 or the Fold 1, whatever the heck Samsung's calling it nowadays, maybe it will kind of work on work like that on that but the thing is when the system recognizes that there's basically two screens it operates differently than it will if you had a bigger screen and for those of you that use at least two monitors for your desktop setup you will know exactly what i'm talking about because that's how i use it too so that's why this for me works out well now do i believe it's worth 1500 bucks for the issues with the software that I do believe can be fixed through software updates, no. But because of an aggressive trade-in program through Microsoft, I'm getting a lot of money for an older device, so I'm spending less than a thousand bucks for this thing. And this is the 256 model that starts at 1500. The 128 gigabyte model starts at 1400. So I could have saved even more money then. So to me, less than a thousand bucks. The price of a Note with two screens is doing a lot more than just one Android can do. So yes, I'm happy with the purchase. I don't care that it doesn't have a front-facing camera, I mean an outside camera or an outside display, because that's not what it's meant to be. I will use it as intended to be, an extension of what I already have. That's why it's not a phone, that's why it's not a tablet, it's a phablet. Now, will I recommend it for the average person? Absolutely not. But people shouldn't discard it that way because they are the average person judging this device. There is a market for something like this. Or else why would LG try their own version of it before a software like this even came out? I believe this kind of software will work just well on an LG. Uh, What's that, Velvet? I think it can. And LG has been the only one trying to experiment. Everybody's complaining how boring Android is nowadays. Foldables are the next best thing. Microsoft comes up with something and they say, nah, why did it even bother with this thing? It's still $500 cheaper, at least $500 cheaper than the Fold. And you can do more with this than you can with that. But if it's all about photography for you, then of course you're going to try a Fold. But you're going to have to be uber careful with it. None of these have any water resistance measurements which is why they're ultra sensitive, for which is why they're also not meant for the day-to-day considering how expensive these things are. So for me, yes, it works fine. I'm so happy to have this device with me, something I dreamed to finally have and that I believe will only get better with time. I'm still able to do everything that I'm able to do despite some of the hiccups here and there. You saw the Cortana app is a little bit finicky. You saw that some apps don't exactly open properly all the way when you're spanning them across. That's expected. But the more is being used, the better it'll become. So basically, I become a guinea pig. But the difference is, I don't believe the hardware is going to hold this one back. Like it has been, for example, with when I tested uh, the BlackBerry Playbook with Playbook OS. It never got the updates it was meant to get. It was half-baked, rushed out the door. BlackBerry 10 OS didn't get a shot because of the lack of support from developers. Otherwise, it would have been great and we could have gotten a next generation device that would have been even better than the Passport, which had the best specs of any device. But we will never see that vision realized. And in some cases, the hardware held those things back because it always lacks something. This one, I feel it's hardware complete and can only get better with the next generation. But first things first, improve the software experience. And now that it's out, I believe the software is getting better because it has, and it will only get better here on out. 
That's why I don't mind holding on to this guy because it's already eliminated the need for two phones for me. And that alone is worth the price of admission. Anyway, that's it for my take on the Microsoft Surface Duo. Let me know what you think in the comments. Are you curious about this device? Have you given it a shot? Did you give up on it? Or are you giving or are you sticking with it? I, I don't know. It ever to each their own, basically. Um, I do enjoy this product. My one major gripe still remains that this is glass, not aluminum. A lot of you know how I feel about glass devices. Glass is glass and glass breaks. <laughs> I don't think I quoted Jerry Rig everything exactly, but uh, that's basically it. But it's it is a tough device. And it's, it's just a joy to use. And it's a head turner. Every time I, I show it off, people are like, oh my goodness, look at this thing. And that's kind of a cool thing. So you have something unique in your hands. Not just another device with a different color. This is something entirely different. So yeah, I do enjoy those bragging rights. <laughs> anyway. Thank you so much for watching this latest episode of The Andres Segovia Show. Remember to like, share, and subscribe, stay in and out. And the podcast is where the meat of the show happens. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. The podcast distributor list is on the directory down in the video description down below. And I am officially on Amazon Music, Amazon Podcast, whatever they're calling it. It just launched and I'm a part of the launch. Woohoo! So yours truly made the cut. So it's there too. So I'm literally everywhere. Don't miss out on that, especially if you're in Southern California and are looking to get into real estate investing or even looking to deal with your own property. I can help you along the way. And as if you're a tenant, I can also help you upgrade from being a tenant to a property owner and what that can mean for you. You can reach out to those resources and check out my website, www.theandrusagoba.com, where even more content is available. It doesn't make its way to YouTube because YouTube sucks. Anyway, that's it for this episode of The Andrusagoba Show. I will see you on the next one.